your seat podcast. Okay. Not even the podcast. Me, the host, Brandon LaShance, got swept in the holiday season. Friends, family, chaos, awesomeness, food, not food, waiting for more food. Woo! Holiday spirit was here. It's passed. So did a couple shows I was going to put up last Monday. It's a now a Monday, and here we are with Another amazing episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 148, friend, new LaSalle, Peru, girls golf coach, Patrick Goy is on this episode. We talk some holiday spirit, we talk some Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings before the game. So we talked, not this past Sunday, which was yesterday, today being Monday, December 28th, but the previous Sunday at like 10 o'clock in the morning before the game. Was going to try to have it out Monday or Tuesday. Things happened. Family happened. Hopefully everybody had a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. In a weird, crazy COVID-19 times. I know the giant family outings that we all want to have. A lot of them didn't happen. Some things that we're accustomed to, that we're used to, just didn't happen this year. Hopefully we started some new traditions and still had fun and enjoyed the one time of the year that we always look forward to, nothing but having fun. Hopefully that happened for you, because that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Having Patrick Goy on the show was awesome. Like I said, we talk football, we talk golf two times, because he is also a co-director of the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship. In the summer, we had the other co-director, Mason Kimberly, on, and it's always awesome to talk golf, in December, the end of December. Especially, I mean, a couple days ago, it was like 50 degrees and it was all right. Like I wore a hoodie outside. Today, wind smacking me, says it's 22 degrees and it feels every bit of negative 22 degrees because of the wind. So yeah, talking golf during winter, during December, end of the year, almost new year. Yeah, wanna talk some golf. Also talk some Royal Rumble. That comes up in January and it's always a fun time. Patrick Goy hosts a pool. I'm in it. We talk a lot about that. It's a good time. Have some more good times on this show before we get to Patrick Goy. Got to keep the show rolling with good times. And what other way to start than with NFL Week 16? And this segment is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Before we get to week 16, though, Patrick Goy and I made score predictions on the Vikings-Bears game for week 15. Goy went 27-23 Vikings. I went 30-27 Bears. Bears won 33-27. I got the Vikings score right and was three shy of the 33. I'm going to say I took the prediction. I'm going to say I got it. And I went 12-4 on the rest of the NFL predictions for that week which is always cool. But I had a lot of fun talking to Goy, even though, you know, I kind of I kind of won that little thing. It's all right, we'll do it again. He'll probably get me. Might get me in that Royal Rumble pool, too. It happens. Week 16 is going on still right now with Monday Night Football. New England Patriots and Buffalo Bills playing. But, I mean, we got to, got to, got to, got to, got to talk about the Chicago Bears smacking the Jacksonville Jaguars 41-17. Offense looked good. Defense was cool. 
against a one-win team. I mean, they did what they're supposed to do. This is what teams that want to be in the playoffs, that wants to be looked at as some kind of contender. I don't think the Chicago Bears are a Super Bowl contender. I would love to say that. And if you get in the playoffs, you got a shot. You always got a shot. But you do have to look at it like, hey, this is a one-win team. We're going into Week 17 against the Green Bay Packers. It's not going to be as easy. Green Bay Packers the top seed in the NFC. And storied rivals, doesn't matter if they're going to sit people or not because they want to rest them for the playoffs. We are talking about the biggest rivalry in professional sports. So Chicago Bears fans, do not get your hopes up. I know I am not. That would not make sense. Other storylines behind this game with the Bears defeating the Jags. Jets got another win. We'll talk about that later. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are locked in for the number one pick, which is a consensus. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, he is a monster. His game is better than his hair. Everybody loves his hair. I wish I had his hair. Trevor Lawrence, I feel, is the real deal. And Jacksonville Jaguars have the opportunity to get him. And they would be moronic if they don't. Against the Jaguars, the Bears kind of snapped. Obviously, 41 points. Trubisky goes 24 of 35, 265 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception that was kind of bobbled and then caught by somebody else. Not really a awful interception. Kind of tried to force, but it really wasn't that bad. Mitchell didn't do awful. Mitchell Trubisky's actually been playing pretty well the last three games. And he needs to be. He needs to do that. If he does, Bears have a shot. We got a defense. We got a running game. David Montgomery has been huge the last four or five weeks. 23 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown against Jacksonville. That is after setting a career record with, I believe, 146 yards the week before. And then two weeks before the Jacksonville game, I believe he had 113. So he's been crushing it, playing really well. We need a running game, and David Montgomery has been bringing it at least the second half of the season. In the air, Allen Robinson, the second. Right now, my favorite wide receiver. 10 receptions, 103 yards. Talk about, call my number, I got you. I got you is his nickname from me. Because he has got whoever is throwing the ball to him, whoever's handing off, whoever's whatever, he has got you. He's going to catch. He's going to get some extra yardage. He's going to make the cornerback, the defensive back, look silly at times. And they had a green quarterback on Allen Robinson, and he worked them all day long. All day long. Bears moved to 8-7 and seven and right now are in a spot in the NFC wildcard. Whew, that's good to say. We start off 5-1, then lose six straight games, and it looked awful. It looked really bad. But they've turned it around and are now doing something. Oh, it's good to... Good to hear. Oh, I just love it. I just want to say it again. The Bears could be in the playoffs. That is a could be. Let's go over these other scores, break down the picks for Week 16, and then we'll talk about what is going on for the playoffs. Because Week 17, last week of the regular season, is this, is this week. Today's Monday, and it's just a few days away. Just a few days away, last week of the regular season. Man, so crazy, so fast, and it's here, like, Playoffs are just a week or so away. Woo. I love NFL. It is so fun to watch, so fun to cover, so fun to talk about. Man, I really don't want it to end. I wish it could go year-round, but it's kind of cool that it does give us those 
few months off because then when it comes back, we're all in. All in. Playing fantasy football, talking with your friends, all that stuff that we love about the NFL. So, pick the Bears to beat the Jags. That's one win. Saints, 11-4. They're a lock in the NFC playoffs. 52-33 win over the 6-9 Vikings. Saints are too good for the Vikings. That was a W. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 10-5. Whooped on the 5-10 Lions with a 47-7 victory. Got an L here. Thought Arizona was going to kind of lock up the playoff race and kind of kick the Bears out. But they lose 20-12 to the 6-9 49ers. And... Man, I did not think that was going to happen, but as a Bears fan, all Bears fans, a cross Bears nation, super happy, super pumped up that that happened. Three wins in a row. The 10-5 Dolphins defeated the 7-8 Raiders 26-25. Two was started. They pull him. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in looking like a superhero. Gets the go-ahead score. Throws a 41-yard pass. Gets rocked. His face mask gets grabbed. Patrick Mahomes called it the greatest no-look pass of all time. Fitzpatrick was a rock star in this game, helping the Dolphins playoff push stay alive. Fantastic to watch. Super crazy. I know a lot of Raiders fans, and they were mad. Mad, mad. Not just mad. Mad, mad. Like, real upset. Dolphins deserves the win, though. Fitzpatrick magic. Just came in and did his thing. Another win, Dallas Cowboys, 6-9, defeated the Eagles 4-10-1 with a score of 37-17. Eagles look better without Carson Wentz. Rookie Jalen Hurts playing well, can move, finds guys. But the Cowboys just found a way to get it done. The Eagles are the only team in the NFC East that are definitely out of the playoffs. Can't make it. Chiefs defeated the Falcons 17-14. And it was a crazy game because I thought the Falcons were going to win late. Chiefs are 14-1. Falcons are 4-11. And, and the Chiefs offense did not look good at all. No, they didn't. Patrick Mahomes was struggling. Couldn't find open wide receivers. Falcons played better defense than I thought I would ever give them credit for. But it's Patrick Mahomes. It's the versatile, can do anything they want to Chiefs. And they found a way to get it done. This game blew my mind. The New York Jets, after winning last week against the Rams and kind of forfeiting the number one pick in the draft, which previously mentioned is going to be Trevor Lawrence, star quarterback from Clemson, which the Jets need a quarterback. They always need a quarterback. They won again. They won again. They get their second win of the season to go 2-13 as they defeated the 10-5 Cleveland Browns 23-16. The Browns trying to lock in their first playoff berth in 17 years. Couldn't get it done against the Jets, who now only have two wins. That is the craziness of this NFL season and never, ever, ever, ever knowing who is going to win. Insane. Took a loss there because I thought it was going to be Cleveland and took a loss with the Steelers and the Colts. Steelers are now 12-3, Colts 10-5. After Pittsburgh gets a 28-24 victory. And for most of the game, looked like Indy was running away with it. Had a monster lead. Were doing everything they needed to do. And then, bam, here comes the Steelers showing that they're not rolling over. Which is cool because they lost three straight and they needed a W. 
Win here, Ravens 27 over Giants 13. Ravens move to 10 and 5, Giants 5 and 10. I mean, Ravens are just a better ball club. It was that easy. Here's one I got right, but it was kind of a 50-50 throw up in the air. Blow out a lucky candle. The Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Houston Texans 37-31. Both of their seasons are over, pretty much. They're just playing to play. Bengals are 4-10-1, Houston 4-11. But it's always fun to pick these games because you don't know who to pick. Another loss for me went Broncos, but Chargers moved to 6-9 with a 19-16 victory. Broncos fall to 5-10. Another L. It was a bad week, just saying that. Another L for me went Washington, Carolina won 20-13, Washington 6-9. Lead the NFC right now, but who knows? Who knows? But, but, Washington did make some news. They waved Dwayne Haskins, who was their starting quarterback against Carolina, had three turnovers and didn't give them a shot. Kind of took him out of the game. So Washington takes him off of the team. Another L. I went Rams. Seahawks made me eat my pick as they go 11-4. Rams fall to 9-6 with a 2019 Seattle victory. Seattle now locked up the NFC West moving into the postseason. This one was not hard. Packers move to 12-3. Tennessee Titans fall to 10-5 as the Green Bay Packers smack the Tennessee Titans 40-14. Rodgers. Throwing his name in the MVP conversation every single time he steps on the field. Four touchdowns, one interception, 231 yards. There is two minutes left in the Monday Night Football game between the Buffalo Bills, who are 11-3, and the New England Patriots, who are 6-8. It's 38-9. Bills got it wrapped up with two minutes left in the fourth. So that's a W. That means I go... 10-6 for week 16. Not good. I like that I'm above 500, but 10-6. But this has been the craziest year ever to pick football games. Darn right. Nasty crazy. Let's talk playoffs. AFC and NFC first round buys are, are locked. They're locked. Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC. Green Bay Packers for NFC. The wild card games how they look right now for the AFC. Second ranked Steelers against seventh Browns. Third Bills against sixth Ravens. Fourth Titans against fifth Dolphins. I really want to see this Titans Dolphins game. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Titans have been kind of on a weird, we're awesome, then we're mediocre, then we're not good, then we're awesome. Dolphins, their defense is spectacular. Nobody thought that they would be in the postseason hunt. And I'm really, really happy that they're there. It's been fun to watch them all season. But it probably maybe won't stay that way. Because the Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Browns are all 10-5. and five. Also, Indianapolis is 10-5, and five, who is outside looking in. So, week 17 is highly important to all of them. All of them. The underdog teams have the hardest games. Indianapolis, who I said is on the bubble, looking in, wants to get in, has the opportunity to get in, 
the only team in the AFC that is out of the playoffs and has a chance. Everybody else is, they're done. They're done. They play Jacksonville Jaguars, who the Bears just destroyed. Indy's a really good team. They're going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and probably go 11-5. This is who the other four teams play that are 10-5 and and in the playoffs. Tennessee Titans, who are in the same division as Indy. Tennessee has it right now. But if Indy wins and Tennessee loses, then Indy's in, regardless. But Tennessee plays the Texans. Not, not a tough team. No. Four wins. Ten and five Ravens play the Bengals. Four wins. Then we got the two underdog teams that you want to see in there just to say that they're in the playoffs. Ten and five Dolphins play the Buffalo Bills, who are crushing the Patriots. Ten and five Browns. Play the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are second in the AFC and want to try to turn things around going into the postseason. They got a win over Indy, probably want to win over the Cleveland Browns. But it is going to be fun, fun, fun watching Week 17 and realizing how important all these games are for the AFC teams. The NFC is kind of exciting, too. It is actually exciting. Well, it's always exciting, right? Like I said, Packers locked number one seed. Here's the wild card games. Second, New Orleans Saints against right now, seventh, Chicago Bears. Third, Seahawks. Sixth, Rams. That would be a game. And fifth, Buccaneers against fourth, Washington football team. That could all change easily. So, like I said, three teams, Washington, Dallas, New York Giants, all still in the hunt for the NFC East crown. Dallas is 6-9. Giants are 5-10. They play each other. Washington plays the Philadelphia Eagles. So all four teams in the NFC East playing each other. If Washington wins, they're in. All I got to do is beat the Eagles, which I don't think is that hard. Arizona sits at 8-7. They play the Los Angeles Rams. If they win, and the Bears lose, Arizona takes their spot. If the Bears win and Arizona wins, Bears are in. If Bears and Arizona both lose, Bears are in. I would love to see the Bears beat the Packers, take that playoff spot, and don't let Arizona in. That would be beautiful. 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 All right, I'm done singing. But want to see the Bears in the playoffs. So week 17 is going to be super crazy intense and a lot of fun to watch. The NFL segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a company dealership dedicated to being community first. It's December, end of a treacherous 2020, and it's the end of December, only a few days left. Mendota Ford wants to usher in a better 2021 with an end of the year sale like never before. New management leads the team into the new year as Ski Hartman brings 10 years of experience with the pressure-free, no-hassle approach for your buying experience. In November, I bought a car from Ski Hartman and the boys at Mendota Shimmer Ford, and it was a really cool, chill experience, and I actually enjoyed getting a car. I didn't feel shysted. I didn't feel like anybody was taking advantage of my you know, car noviceness. Like I've been driving since I was 16, but 
You know, I don't know a lot of things. I just drive. I get in and try to go fast. Okay. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Can't even deny that. Try to go fast. Try to have fun in the car. Try to be responsible fun. But just have fun. Don't really do the checks and, you know, take care of the car. That's never been my thing. But they kind of opened my eyes to a few things. Like, hey, if this happens or this happens or this happens, we got you here and this is how and this is why. And it was a really, really cool experience having them be cool about it. Like, who doesn't want to go to a car dealership and feel like you just made friends or you have friends? And you can have that same experience at Mendota Shimmer Ford. Go visit my friends. Make them your friends. Ski, Jason, Tony, and Doug at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, or contact them at 815-539-9314, or visit MendotaFord.com. And ladies and gentlemen, the NBA season has begun! We are six days in. It started December 22nd. I am pumped, fired up. I love NBA. You love NBA. We all love NBA. That's how I feel about the NFL playoffs. Now we got the NBA season. And whoo, everything is just going how I want it to go in COVID-19. And I know all of you are feeling the same way. Throw in college hoops and we're all gravy. Unfortunately, the Chicago Bulls, not all gravy right now. Start off the season 0-3 with a 124-104 loss to the Atlanta Hawks on December 23rd. Follow that up with a 125-106 loss to Indianapolis Pacers on the 26th. And then on Sunday, fall to the Golden State Warriors 129-128 as Damian Lee hits a three at the end of the game to give Golden State a W. And Steph Curry jumps on him, hugs him like, hey, thank you. We got a W because you made that shot. Usually it's Steph Curry, but no. Damian Lee, out of nowhere, drills a three, gives the Warriors the W. I can sit here and dog the Bulls, but I'm not going to. They've been playing well. Not bad. Would have liked to see a little bit better against Indy, but they got really good guards. Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo. Atlanta's got Trey Young playing out of his mind. A lot of veteran players around him. They got some other good stud young guys. So they're in these games. I mean, 124, 104, eh, 20 points. 125, 106, 19. Got to get around that corner. Got to do those things. Those little intangible things are the things that cost those in the games. Throughout the whole game. It wasn't like, hey, they just lost at the game. They were doing things that veterans want to do. And that's the problem with the Bulls. They got a lot of young players, and they're getting there. They're learning. But against the Warriors... A lot of cool performances. Zach Levine, 33.7 rebounds. Laurie Markkinen, 23.7 rebounds. Wendell Carter Jr., it is fantastic to see him playing well and actually on the court instead of being hurt. I dog him all the time for being hurt. It's good when he plays. He is a good player. Stay on the court. I'm going to love you. 22 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists. Cody White, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Everybody grabbing boards. Everybody passing the ball. Everybody scoring when they need to. Just maybe got to tighten up that D. Got to. It's the end of the game. Everybody should have been on the perimeter guarding, 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 guarding. And Damian Lee, who you would not think is going to do that, 
won the game. Drill the three. But like I said, not mad at the Bulls. I mean, if they go 0-10, I mean, you know, we got a different conversation. But 0-3, playing, got some good performances, scoring over 100 points a game. I'm cool with that. We'll get there. Other things from Sunday I took away. Dallas Mavericks, 124, Los Angeles Clippers, 73. Kawhi Leonard, not in the game, and I don't think anybody else came to the game either for the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, nobody. They all stayed with Kawhi on the bench. Mavs set an NBA record with the largest lead at halftime with 50 points, and that is since the shot clock was invented, brought into the game for the 1954-55 to season. Yeah, you heard me right. Since the 1954-55 season, nobody has trailed by 50 points at halftime except the Los Angeles Clippers, who were undefeated coming into this game by defeating the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers and a pretty solid squad in the Denver Nuggets. The last two years, people thought that they were going to be in the NBA Finals. Really, really, really solid team, Denver Nuggets. The defending champions in Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then you get stomped by Dallas Mavericks. Does Kawhi Leonard really mean that much? Paul George, 15 points in the first half. They took him out the second half. Didn't have him play because they were getting stomped. You're an NBA veteran. You just got a crazy deal going into the season. Five year, lots of money. Lots of, lots of money. And... 15 points, don't play the rest of the game. I understand you don't want to get hurt, things like that, but maybe we go through that high school rah-rah spirit and try to be a leader and get your team to play like you think they can play because there are more games. you got a whole season here. You want to give up now? I want to be play, man, play. 15 points from a star. He's got to step up his game. I'm losing faith in Paul George. One of my favorite players in the NBA, but... I'm losing faith. I was starting to lose faith last year because he was not playing well, but I thought it was just because of injuries. We'll see what he does the rest of this season. But not looking good for my fandom for Paul George. Also take away from Sunday, the Cleveland Cavaliers won their third straight game. Start the season 3-0. Yes, Cleveland Cavaliers without Kyrie Irving, without LeBron James, 3-0 as they won 118-94 against the Philadelphia 76ers. Andre Drummond, 24 points, 14 rebounds. He keeps doing that. Nobody's stopping him. And the Cavaliers could be a pretty solid team, which I would love to see. Not a huge Cavs fan, but when you got a team that is trying to rebuild after having stars, legendary players like LeBron James win an NBA ring, and then you kind of just got these leftovers. You bring in Andre Drummond, bring in a couple other guys, and trying to rebuild. I like it. Let's get some wins. Let's make the team respectable again. Scores around the NBA for Monday. Hawks moved to 3-0 with a 128-120 win over the Detroit Pistons. Pistons fall to 0-3. Trey Young, 29 points, 6 threes. He's a stud, going to be a stud for a very, very long time. Memphis Grizzlies, Brooklyn Nets go into overtime. Grizzlies pull it out 116-111. Little caveat here, the Nets were playing without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. By the way, it has been fun watching those two play together, and I'm excited for the rest of the season as 
They're two of the best players in the game. And I want to see Kevin Durant thump people like he did before he got hurt. Fantastic to watch. And I'm really glad that they're kind of teamed up. I think their styles work well together. And I'm excited to watch this. Utah Jazz defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder 110-109. to Still going on right now. The Denver Nuggets 120. Houston Rockets 97. Trailing 23 points with 2 minutes and 47 seconds left in the fourth quarter. That's pretty much a wrap. Denver getting the W. At halftime, the Portland Trail Blazers lead the Los Angeles Lakers 58-54. It's cool watching basketball. It's also fun playing basketball. But to do that, we got to be in shape. And let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape or to stay physically fit. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, maybe motivation is low, don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body, or injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time, not one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group? LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided, pushed, at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? You're welcomed with, hello, how are you? Go get at it. That's the atmosphere. You want a more relaxed approach? It's the same welcoming. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We got breaking news. Just popped up on my phone. We got to talk about this. Have to talk about this. The Chicago Cubs are going to trade ace pitcher Hugh Darvish to the San Diego Padres. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Hugh Darvish was a Cy Young finalist this past season, 2020, and they're going to ship him out to San Diego, who are building a squad. They got a squad right now, looking really, really tough. And the Cubs just helped him. I don't know if they meant to help him, but this just helps him. So the Cubs are sending Hugh Darvish and catcher Victor Caratini for pitcher Zach Davis, who's solid, solid pitcher for the Padres, and four prospects. Outfielders Owen Cassie and Ismail Mena, who are both 18 years old, and shortstops Reggie Presidiato and Yeeson Santana. Reggie 17, Santana 20, all young players, prospects that want to make a name for themselves. 
I hope they're hungry. I hope they're ready. Because we're going to need them in Chicago. No doubt about that. Before the Padres, I got to talk about this. So they're getting you Darvish from Chicago a day after trading for Blake Snell, who's with Tampa Bay Rays. Made his MLB debut in 2016. In 2018, won the Cy Young Award, was an All-Star, and led the American League in wins in ERA. So now you take Blake Snell, you Darvish, and then with Denilson Lamont, who was a Cy Young finalist this year with a 2.09 ERA, Chris Paddock, who is a solid pitcher, and eventually Mike Clevenger, who is going to miss 2021 with a Tommy John surgery, he's going to be back. So they are stacking up on the mound. Then let's talk about the players on the batting order. Manny Machado, MVP finalist on the National League award race this year. Jake Cronenworth, NL Rookie of the Year finalist this year. Throwing some veterans, Will Myers, Eric Hosmer. They got a squad, a squad, and I'm really interested to see what San Diego Padres can do. But I'm also to see what's going to happen with the Cubs. Now, they brought this guy in to try to repair, patch up a lineup without John Lester, without the pitchers that helped them win the World Series in 2016. Now, they're getting rid of him. Not happy with him. He's had slow starts, even though this year he started off quick and pitched well enough to be a Cy Young finalist. Now, he's gone. And you bring in prospects, outfielders, and shortstops, and a pitcher that's okay, middle of the rotation. Really interested to see what's going to happen here. They're in a rebuild mode already? Like, already? Is this rebuild? You still got Anthony Rizzo. You got Chris Bryant. You're two studs. Got Wilson Contreras. Javier Baez. He goes in that stud category. He's with Rizzo. He's with Bryant. Now you got to get some pitchers. That was kind of a downfall this year. Older pitchers not being able to do what they needed to do. And now you get rid of you, Darvish. Very puzzling moves. Want to see what happens. Got to get pitchers. I think you got a lineup. Probably could fill in some spots in the outfield here and there. But pitchers is key. We are in a pitching era. You don't have top pitchers, it's going to be highly, highly, highly difficult. Just saying. I think that's my first ever breaking news segment while I'm doing the show. Saw it on my phone. Like, hey, we got to talk about this right now. I'm going to read this ad and then we're getting into this. So breaking news. You Darvish going to San Diego Padres. Whew, that is crazy. That is crazy. What's also crazy is how fast this year has went. Maybe it was COVID-19. Maybe it's just because life has picked up after slowing down with the quarantine. Who knows? But summer came and went. Fall's over. Autumn's over. All that's over. It's winter. It's December. About to be January. It's here. But this doesn't mean there isn't time for end-of-the-year home improvements or beginning of 2021. Olsa Construction works hard to help its customers until it's no longer possible. Which, in this case, you can always do something. Work inside the home. Work inside the garage. Inside the shed. Need some new stairs. Need some kitchen work done. Olsa Construction can do it all. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. 
the licensed and insured family-owned and operated company, prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. With COVID-19 making it hard to celebrate the holidays, Christmas just passed, New Year's is coming up this week, then you got Valentine's Day, and you got other holidays that mean something to you and your family. This means it's a great time to make your home as comfortable and cozy as possible. For a free estimate, call Olsen Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Let's talk some more hoops, this time NCAA style. I'm an SIU grad, alum, I bleed, Saluki Maroon, and we were 7-0 coming into today's game against Evanston. And now we're 7-1. Fell to the 3-5 Purple Aces, 84-72. But I'm not too mad. We just beat them on Sunday, 63-57. Missouri Valley Conference is stacked this year. Lots of great teams. Drake is at the top of the conference at 11-0 overall. Woo! Great time to be a basketball fan in terms of Missouri Valley and SIU Salukis. Won't see any more SIU games or hear me talk about them until January as the next two in December against Southern Missouri and Nichols have both been canceled. University of Illinois, the Fighting Illini, are sitting at 7-3 overall, 3-1 in the Big Ten. They are ranked 15th. The Big Ten this year is craziness. Nine teams are ranked in the Big Ten. And probably five of them have been inside the top five, top ten, and then lose and then fall down and will probably make their way back up the rankings. That's how NCAA men's basketball has worked the last couple years because there are so, so many good teams. But these are the rankings right now on Monday, December 28th. Wisconsin sits at 6th, Iowa's 10, Rutgers 14, Illinois 15, Michigan 16, Michigan State 17, Northwestern 19th, Minnesota at 21st, and Ohio State 25th. But we're going to see some shakeups because on Monday, Minnesota demolished Michigan State 81 to 56. So Michigan State was 17th, Minnesota was 21st. We're going to see some switch ups there. Maryland, not ranked, but solid Big Ten team, defeated Wisconsin, who was 6th, 70-64. We're going to see some more shakeups, and we're going to see shakeups every single week because the Big Ten's tough, and it's going to be a dogfight the entire year. It's going to be fun for us. Just hopefully it means something come NCAA tourney time when we want the Big Ten to excel. Before we get out of here couple of special moments, moments in peace, moments in silence, moments of remembrance, and thank you. First, somebody I knew, one of my best friends, cousins, seen each other a lot when we were younger, parties, chilling with her cousins, my friends. I am talking about Amanda Countryman, 30-year-old woman from the Illinois Valley, was cool. We'll talk to you about Jordans anytime. 
anytime she could talk about Jordans, loved her shoe game, listened to rap, hip-hop, newer music, kind of had a feisty attitude, but if you could talk to her and get to know her, she was pretty cool. She passed away yesterday, like I said, at the age of 30, she has two little kids, she's got a family, so my thoughts, prayers are definitely with the Countryman family and everybody that knew and loved Amanda. Not on a local scale, but John Hubber, 41-year-old wrestler, professional wrestler, went to the Mayo Clinic in Florida, end of October, I believe, with a lung issue. Non-COVID related, his wife has made it clear, non-COVID related, WWE made it clear, non-COVID related, but had a lung issue and he ended up passing away. Sad news, loved him in the WWE as Luke Harper. I'm always a fan of the bad guys, the heels. And as a member of the Bray Wyatt family, or the Wyatt family with Bray Wyatt, him and Eric Rowan were cool to watch. Good tag team, big, tough guys. And they played really, really well in the storyline. Then he goes to AEW as Brody Lee and was somebody that was cool to watch. He's a professional. He did his thing in the ring, and that's what I love as a wrestling fan. So rest in peace. It was fun watching you. John, Brody, Luke, definitely be missed in the wrestling world. And Amanda, you will be missed in Illinois for sure. Rest in peace to both of you. Another show that got held because of the Christmas chaos, Justin Jacobson will be on next show, 149. Talk a lot about basketball and his move to Saginaw Valley State, a NCAA Division II school in Michigan. He's going to be an assistant coach there after one year as the Mendota High School boys basketball coach. And he's ready to get back into college and do some different things. So he's on. We talk about a lot of cool stuff, as always. That's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Now we just got to get on a schedule and stay there and have you listening all the time. Because we appreciate every time you put on Edge of Your Seat Podcast and join us with our guests and everything that we want to talk about. You can do that on Spotify and Apple Music, iTunes, plus the Edge of Your Seat Podcast website, www.rss.com backslash podcasts with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Follow us on social media, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. Shoot us an email, Edge of Your Seat Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, want to talk about something, want to advertise with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, anything, any quandaries, inquiries, any anything, qualms, happiness, we'll hear it all. Hopefully you continue to have a good Monday, you had a merry, merry Christmas, and you have a happy new year coming around the corner, but you'll hear us before then. Like I said, Justin Jacobson on the podcast tomorrow, Tuesday, December 29th. Until then, peace. You know us media guys always looking at Facebook, always looking at Twitter, always looking at everything, figure out what's going on, any new news. The other day, looking through Twitter, and the first post that pops up, Patrick Goy, new head coach of LaSalle Peru Girls Golf. And I just smiled, 
I was happy, instantly liked, instantly retweeted, and I had to have him on. So, of course, our guest on Sunday, December 20th, Pat Goy. What's up, my friend? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Of course. Like I said, when I saw the Twitter post that you were taking over the helm of LP Girls Golf, I was super happy for you. I know how much you love the game, and I know how much you love coaching. So, congrats to you. Thank you. I love the game, and then I had some coaching experience. I've been around the program the last couple of years. So I'm looking forward to getting back into it and uh, taking over the, the girls' program and seeing what we can do. Let's start from the beginning, and then we'll work our way, I guess, full circle or back to LP and talk about the hopefully upcoming season. You know, we're in this COVID-19 era still, so we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone in the fall. Where did you go to high school? When did you become in love with the game of golf? All right, so I started playing when I was like 10 years old, golf with my dad and He'd let me take the drive the golf cart around, and you know, I had my little set of clubs, and you know, I started playing since I was about ten. And then when I was uh, in eighth grade, when I graduated eighth grade, my uncle got me uh, five lessons from a guy named his name's Brett Meyer. He's from Mendota. You might know him, and he uh, was around the area. He's he was a good good golfer in high school, really good player in high school. He went to Central College in Iowa. And then he now works for the Ledbetter Academy. So before he moved to, out of the area, I got some lessons from him, which really helped, you know, get me doing the right things in the game as far as my swing goes and kind of thinking about, you know, how to play around. I know that summer when I was in between my eighth grade year and my freshman year, my mom would drop me off at the golf course almost every day at eight o'clock. I'd play 18 holes and I'd practice. She'd pick me up for lunch, take me home. I'd do the same thing almost every day over the summer. So then I guess I, you could say I kind of caught the itch right around then when I knew like you know I could just go play every day I knew like it was it was enjoyable it was fun I liked working at it and then went to go to high school played on varsity since my sophomore year made some sectionals a couple times and then uh got a scholarship to play at IV for two years so that was really good too and then I found out I got a lot better those two years at IV because of every year I learned how to play the game a little bit better and I got better at the game so just more practice it took and then I saw my game kind of turn when I got to Ivy and, and just you know kept kept going from there awesome and what year did you graduate from Mendota 2009 you're such a little pup no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I still got to, my age still starts with a two for about three more months there you go there you go you gotta so celebrate that as much as you can still in my 20s for you know short amount of time I graduated from Mendota in 2004 and had a solid golf program. It seemed like the sport that if you were not going to play football, that's what you were doing. You were playing golf. I kind of played football for a couple years, and then when I stopped, I was like, nah, I'm not going to pick up a golf club because I am going to be awful. <laughs> and Brett was actually one of the reasons why. Brett is a year older than me, and he was really good. My friend Patrick Kirshner, who we call Shooter McGavin, or yep. just Shooter, you know him real well. Watching those guys play, yeah. I was like, I had no chance, so I didn't even try. No, oh, there's still time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get to that old man status, you know, the golf game might come to me, you know? Hey, you never know. So now we fast forward. After IVCC, you said you had been with LP for a couple years. Did you do any other coaching besides that? Yeah, so I started teaching when I got out of ISU. In 2013, I taught in Depew for three years. Then I taught in Henry the year after that. So that had been 2017. I was a head coach of the boys' team there. We had a pretty good season. Uh, I had a kid, Matt Boucher. He made the state tournament. He got 39th or 38th. I think he was top 40. So um, had a good run there. And then got hired at LP the year after that. And I was involved as a volunteer 
assistant coach um, with the boys and girls programs, you know, as I could, you know, as my schedule allowed, I would help out with the boys program, help a little bit with the girls program for those two years. And then this year, um, my wife and I just had our second baby uh, at the end of August, so right around when school started, and just kind of figured it was uh, probably in everybody's best interest to not be you know, going out too much, you know, especially with the way the world is right now and, you know, going out and traveling to different cities and stuff like that. So we just kind of took a step back from the, the program this year for, you know, obvious family reasons and then uh, got the job ready for next year. Perfect. We'll get back to the family dynamic COVID-19 for sure. Let's talk a little more golf before we get there. Matt Boucher was actually really good. I covered him, talked to him a few times, did a couple stories with him out of Henry. He was really good and I was happy that he got to state and did as well as he did. That was a fun season. Uh, he was like he was right up there with Caleb Dzerzinski and uh, some of the Putnam County kids for the Conference Player of the Year. So he had a he had a really good season and a really good postseason too. I mean, the first round of state, I know we didn't do our best, but then the second round, we just talked about enjoying the, the experience and playing well and playing himself into the top forty. So that was that was a fun season. I'm glad you brought up Caleb Dzerzinski. There was Ian Roach. There was Ben Sear. Ben Sear. I always mess his name up, so I wanted to say it right. But, yeah, Ben Sear, they had three really good players, and then there was uh... – It was Austin, Austin Flips and Flip. He was the, our fourth guy. He was our top four guy, too. I mean, we saw those guys. Those guys were at, like, every match we were at that year, too. So we got to spend a lot of time around those guys. And we shared the, the our home course with them, too. So, you know, watching those guys, too, have a good season, that was a really good time, too. Yeah, because any other year, not any other year, I mean, there's been, you know, Jake Kennedy type of players and stuff like that, but usually somebody with the talent and skill level of Matt Boucher, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's the player, the conference player of the year, and then you add these guys from Putnam County or Jake Kennedy, so it's just showing the quality of golf that is going around at this point. Yeah, yeah, and that, like, in our conference, too, like, we had to play Peoria Christian, and there were some other schools, I can't remember off the top of my head, but... Midland, that conference was actually like kind of sneaky loaded with some good talent. And I do have to apologize to Austin. I was like, I know it starts with an A, is it an Adam, whatever. <laughs> I was picturing him, I, like I could see him in my, my mind, but I couldn't remember his name. So thank you for helping me out there with Austin Flipson. Yeah, no problem. So now, you are getting your first high school head coaching job with the LP girls. Talk about your excitement level. I know you've been around the program, like you've stated, and now it's yours to, you know, try to get some success under your belt. What are some things that you're going to try to do there? Yeah, man. So it's nice that I've been around the program for a couple of years. So I know, you know, some of the players. Now this this past year was kind of different because uh, you had some girls, all sports athletes that couldn't play you know, volleyball, for example, so you had them come play golf for a year. So uh, as far as what the roster looks like, I'm not 100% sure. I know we're going to have a couple of our girls. I know off the top of my head, Grace Antle, Megan McGuire. I know they um, have been playing since they were freshmen. I actually got to play with them. Uh, two years ago, we, we played in the um, our LP girls uh, scramble where a coach and three players got to play together. And I got to play with those, with those two girls and uh, Hannah Berry, and we ended up winning the tournament so that was pretty fun so I, I know that they'll be there for the season next year so that'll be good um and as far as like the you know upcoming season I just I really want to you know work with them on kind of like we talked about in the article is just setting goals for themselves and you know thinking about areas of their game they want to improve on throughout the year whether it's like uh you know getting better at their short game or hitting more fairways or you know things like that and then I'll tell them like as their individual goals that they set for themselves as they work towards them the team you know, will better itself as a whole because of, you know, them focusing on their games as well. So kind of as they go, the team goes. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Right after I had seen your post, I reached out to Jim Trevaney, who is the coach leaving. You're his successor. So I reached out like, hey, you're done with the program? And he's like, yeah, just a lot going on. He's got three kids. He's a teacher, head basketball coach. And he's like, you know, Patrick is going to do awesome. I just had to step away because, you know, life is life and it gets really busy. What have you taken from Jim Trevaney and will try to use in your, you know, game plans or, you know, things that you give as advice to your players? Being around the program, I know, like, he, he connects really well with the players. He's very personable as a coach. So I'm going to look forward to sitting down with him in the spring and kind of picking his brain a little bit as far as what he did that went well and some things, you know, like that he now can reflect on and be like, hey, maybe I could do this differently. So I'm looking forward to sitting down with him, talking about how he ran the program and kind of seeing what went well so I can kind of piggyback off of that and try to uh, to make it better or keep the success of it going. And like I said, I know he's he just he's really easy to talk to. He can connect well with the players. So I'm definitely going to, you know, emphasize that as we – Go throughout the season. We have mentioned the high school stuff you've done. You are also a co-director of the Illinois Valley Men's Championship. I guess we can fit golf in there. Men's Golf Championship. But we're talking about golf. We know what it is. Anyway, every summer it is a huge spectacular of golf around the area. You know, two days golfing, different courses around the area. And this year we saw Bailey Lear win again. Three-peat. Had to be pretty cool for you to be part of that and watch a great golfer play great golf. Yeah, man, he is uh, he's something else. He uh, It's almost like he just has this, I think we saw it two years ago when he won his second one. It's just like he has this, this switch where he didn't just, seems like he can just turn it on and just separate himself from the field whenever he wants to. So, I mean, it was, like I remember he was coming around the front nine at Oak Ridge, it was the final round, and he was tied for the lead after the eighth hole. And he birdies 9, 10, 11, 12, just like bing, 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 bing. Just like, it's almost like he has that second gear where he just goes, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and win the tournament now, and he just does it, which is which is pretty unbelievable. But yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, I got to talk to him over the last couple of years. Got a really good future ahead of him, obviously, in the game, but also he's just a great kid all around, and uh, I really like having him in our field. I said co-director, it's you and Mason Kimberly. You guys took over a few years ago, and I know I have and many other journalists in the area. We've talked about this before. Just the rising growth of the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship and the excitement, the buzz. It seems like every year, you know, more people are talking. More people want to be part of it. What are you guys doing to make it that way? I mean, it's been around since forever, and now I'm hearing more talk about it than I have in probably the last 10, 15 years. That's awesome to hear because that was one of our goals. Like we got the reins from um, Tom Clancy, and, and obviously he was a big part of it too. Because when um, the News Tribune dropped their sponsorship, he was one that picked it up and he kept it going. We're not talking about this unless he does that. You know, Mason and I—we've been around the game long enough where we played in the tournament since we were both 16 years old. So it's like you know we are invested in the growth of it just from that standpoint. But then like knowing how to run a tournament, and I think you know we have good experience doing that. Obviously, we've seen the field go from. Uh, when when Tom had it nine years ago, there was like 63 players, I want to say. And then our first year, we had 91. And then this year, we had close to 150. So we almost tripled the size of the field in 10 years, which is outstanding. And and I, and I like that it's, you know, people in the area are invested in it. And they, they also want to see it grow. I mean, we've done a lot of work getting sponsors and, and, you know, doing the little things like behind the scenes that, you know, end up making a difference for the players. And we want to focus on the players having a good experience and want to come back and play in our tournament. So 
you know, from that standpoint, you know, getting a lot of positive feedback's been awesome. Obviously, the field continues to grow every year. People want to see it succeed. People have a great time playing in it. Um, I think we do a lot of things well there. And then again, like the field size growing, I think it really does help that Mason and I have been connected just around the area with high school golf and with junior golf. I know Mason does a great job running his junior program in the summer, which then in turn gets him to play in the high school level, which in turn gets him to play in our tournament. So, you know, going just all the way back, you know, from starting with the high school kids, I think that really does help the success of our tournament as well. Yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned Ian Roach and Caleb Derzinski, Jake Kennedy, uh, Bailey Lear, I think he was in that tournament as a golfer out of Ottawa, if not shortly after that. So some of the top people that have been in you know top 15 of the championship class are all local high school kids that are watching, you know, I don't want to call you old Pat, but you and Mason who are just kind of like that generation of golfers right before them watching you guys do what you're doing like, hey, we want to be in this too. Besides just that, what are some things that you guys have done to help triple the numbers? What Have you changed dates? Have you changed the format? What are some things that you did to make it more golfer-friendly? Yeah, so I think we went to the, because it was always a traditional, it was Sunday, Sunday, forever. And we we talked about doing it for, you know, five years before we finally, you know, actually went and did it. So two years ago, we went to a Saturday-Sunday format. And that saw the field increase by like 20 or 30 players just doing that because it's hard. We understand it's hard for people to block off, you know, two weekends in a row for a golf tournament. So, and especially like it's always around, you know, the end of the summer when families want to take vacations at the end of the year before the kids go back to school. So uh, we finally decided to do it. And, you know, I think it's been a really good success as far as just moving it from a Sunday-Sunday format to a Saturday-Sunday format. Turn, it's, it's a really quick turnaround for us as a directors, but, you know, we understand that, and we know that the new format, just the two-day format, um, has really helped the success of the tournament go um, as well. And then, you know, like I said, working with the high school kids, and we, and we want to encourage, you know, people of all skill levels because there's so many different classes in the tournament. It's not just about, you know, the championship class guys. Like, even some of these high school kids that want to, you know, start dipping their toe into tournament golf outside of, like, a high school tournament, you know, we encourage them to play in whatever class they feel comfortable playing in and get some experience playing, you know, in an actual tournament, you know, in the area with other people in the area they might not play with outside of their high school team. So we really like seeing those kids come out and play in in the B and the A class. And I think the biggest thing, I think, as far as the success of the tournament goes is moving it from a Sunday-Sunday to a Saturday-Sunday. For sure, I think that really helped uh, as far as growth goes and keeping people invested, too. That is another thing I like about the... Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship is the different tiers. So say, you know, we were talking earlier, like, hey, it's never too late. A golfer, you know, plays for a whole summer and like, hey, I want to see what I can do against different people. Probably not going to put them in the championship class because then they'll feel defeated because you guys are really good. Put them in the B class, the A class, and they're competing with people that are on their level and then it's fun for everybody. Is that kind of what you guys are trying to do? Yeah. The classes are all based on whatever your handicap is. So, you know, you could be a a 15 handicap, you only, you don't have to compete against a Bailey Lear, you know, you, you compete against people that are around your similar skill level. And then, you know, I, I think it helps, you know, people, they want to compete. They want to see how they stack up against other players in the area that are of similar ability as they are. So, um, yeah, it's not about just, you know, the guys at the, the top five in the area, you know, of the championship class. It's about, Hey, you want to see how you stack up against other people of your skill level in the area. Come out and do it. Come out and have fun. Come out and do it. 
I mean, this tournament is so awesome and so big. I mean, it's December. We're a couple days away from Christmas, and we're talking about something that's not going to happen for like six months. That's how awesome it is, in my mind. I'm getting jacked up thinking about it now, just thinking about getting into next year and, and uh, you know, getting in once golf season starts. We start getting our, our sponsor letters out. You know, we got our system figured out now. I'm getting pretty excited just talking about it and just kind of can't wait to see what the field's going to be like this year and see if we can't uh, make it the biggest one yet. Just in case there's some golfers listening that do not know how to be a part of this thing, when does registration start and how do they go about it? Typically put our entry forms out around end of May, send them out then. You send all your information to Mason, he takes care of it all. But yeah, we usually start getting info out of the tournament on our Facebook page, um, right around when the season starts, kind of remind people of the dates of the tournament, and then how they can sign up, and then we uh, we start putting out our, our entry forms around Memorial Day, and then... Uh, and everything just kind of falls in place from there. Perfect, perfect. I said we would move on, talk about some golf, then we would get back to the family dynamic, COVID-19, so I definitely want to do that. You and your wife, what's your wife's name? Abby. And then you just had your second kid. What is your first kid's name and then your second child? Uh, so we got a, our son, his name's Garrett. He's uh, two and a half. He's in the picture with me that you'll see when, the, when you put the link out. Um, on the putting green at Oak Ridge. He's running around with me, my little shadow. And then our second uh, child, we had our daughter. Uh, her name's Blake. She was born August 28th, right in the middle of the craziness that is the, the pandemic. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up and talk to you about it. I mean, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Everybody is feeling the wrath of this in some sense, whether it's tragic or not really tragic all the levels in between and you and your wife have a kid in the middle of it and have a two-year-old which you know that's got to be worrisome or concern in its own point its own version how are you guys managing to go through this i know you there's got to be worries and scared and man we're all in a weird position and now there's kids it was definitely different it was tough on a couple levels like i was the only person that could go into the room that could go into the hospital with her like, none of the grandparents can come see the baby. And then our two-year-old, like, my, my parents lived in Mendoza, so they took him uh, for a couple of days while we were waiting to get, you know, discharged from the hospital. But, yeah, I mean, like, they temperature checks so every hour, every two hours. Every time I left to go run home to grab something, I had to come back, get a new visitor's ID, new temperature check. And nobody else could come in. It was just me. So, I mean, not even, couldn't even bring Garrett in to come see uh, the baby. So, it was, uh, it was definitely different. It was difficult at times, you know, because you're just, you're sitting there like, you know, it's just you two and the baby for however long until they let you go home, which uh, everything changes every hour based on, you know, different things with the baby. So it was, uh, it was, it was tough in that aspect, but, you know, everybody went well, everything went well. Uh, Abby was a trooper. She did an amazing job. And then, uh, you know, the baby was good. We got to come home. Uh, we had her on a Thursday and got to come home on Saturday, so. We got pretty lucky, but again, it was still a, it still wasn't uh, the easiest time ever. Now that the baby is at home, had it August, it's now December. What are some precautions, some safety measures that you guys are taking to keep not only your baby but the two-year-old safe as well? Try not to really do too much as far as you know venture out, and and that, that's been kind of tough too because you know you want to go out and do things. Especially in the summertime, it was nice out. I mean, we only ever went to the splash pad really to, to take the little one, just let him run around, but. My, I know my grandparents, whenever they come over, they always have their masks on because, you know, they're of an at-risk uh, uh, age as well. So, yeah, I try to keep the traffic flowing in and out of the house pretty limited just to the, the grandparents and us and uh, 
everybody just try to be cautious, be aware of what's going on, and then you know just take your your safety measures there. Is that why I have not gotten my invite to come over and watch the Royal Rumble with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'll be watching it by myself this year, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, because I usually like to have people over, and we like to you know order food, uh, shout out Barcelonis, and uh, you know watch the Royal Rumble and, and have a good time. But I think it might be uh, might be flying solo this year, unfortunately. But we're still going to do the pool, right? Yes, absolutely. Last year, my first year being part of your pool, and it was really cool. Got a couple wrestlers in there. Unfortunately, I got jobbed because of Brock Lesnar. That goof throughout the first like twenty people, probably not that many. Oh, he got yeah, he was on a roll, man. And I had like nine and ten. I know I had Kofi Kingston and somebody else, and they were nine and ten back to back. And he tossed them out with no problems. Yeah, and I watching it too, like from just a viewer standpoint, it's like. It's like, what are we doing? Like, you're just sending the first 10, 12 guys out there to just get fed, fed to them and tossed to make them look good. It's just like, it was a, it was a pretty uneventful start to the match, but then it, it kind of it really picked up at the end. So that was that was pretty fun to watch. But uh, yeah, the pool's awesome. Everybody everybody enjoys it. Uh, it's fun. Something to root for. You know, it's the, the match itself is awesome. But then like you get you know a little bit of a investment in, you know, rooting for a number, rooting for a, a person you have to, you know, last a certain amount of time longer than everybody else. So, uh, yeah, th- th- definitely I'll be hitting you up for the pool here come first of the year. We'll get that thing filled up in no time. It'll be fun. Let's discuss the pool and how it works, how you decided to go about this and make it, like you said, made it fun. You got a little investment, kind of like fantasy football or football pick fantasy basketball. We watch the sports. We love it. But then when you have something to focus on, some interest, it makes it more fun, more enjoyable. What was your idea for the pool and explain to people who are not in it how it works? It's kind of like a daily fantasy lineup for like baseball or basketball or whatever. Like, you know, you you only have to watch it for that day. There's 30 wrestlers in the Royal Rumble. And then I I open it up. So there's, we call it the owner's pool. So everybody, you know, you can get uh, up to two players, two wrestlers that you want to own. And then I'll put all the owners in a pool. I'll draw them out of a hat, you know, one by one. And I'll write your names down in order one through 30. And then whenever the wrestlers come out, whatever order they come out in. So like, let's say, you have entry number one, like your owner number one and owner number 21. Whatever wrestler comes out in the first position and in the 21st position, those are your two wrestlers you have. And then if you uh, end up owning the wrestler that finishes in the top four, three, two, and one, uh, you get a little little bit of your, your money back, uh, uh, so to speak. And like I said, last year was disastrous, but I had fun. Yeah, and it, I'm drawing them out too, and I'm drawing them like, oh man, I drew you ninth. I'm like, well, that's kind of a dead number in the Royal Rumble. Then I drew you again in tenth. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be really mad at me because <laughs> nine and ten back to back. Like usually, it's it's hard because you, you know you want like one and two, and you know and you know you want like the late twenties, obviously. But like those middle numbers are so hard. Like from like three to twenty is like that's where all like the jobbers come out. And they just get tossed and make everybody look good. The jobbers and the guys that haven't been around for 10 years and they're just making a special appearance. Yeah, that's those numbers. Yeah, the, the Jeff Jarrett's of the Royal Rumble. Yeah, 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 for sure. I don't think they did it last year. It's been a few years, but the one year, those were the numbers for, like, the announcers where JR got in and Booker T. Yeah. And you're, like, you're not winning. What are you doing? <laughs> it's just like, it, it, it is cool, though, because, like, every, you know, whatever position that you have in the pool, you know your number's coming up. You're like, okay. You know who you want to see. So it kind of gives you that little bit of uh, anticipation and anxiety when, when they're counting down like the 10, 9, 8, 7. When you see the, the clock go up, 
and you see the music hit, and you're like, okay, who do I got? And you, and you know right away, too, like, especially being a wrestling guy, like, you know right away if, you're, if your pick's a good pick or not. Yeah, and to elaborate on that, when I saw Kofi Kingston and he was having his run, you know, just champion, he was kind of on the top of the, you know, card, pay-per-view, Raw, SmackDown, show after show, he's, you know, a top main attraction. I'm like, okay, we might be working with something, but then Brock Lesnar was just, you know, being Brock, and it was not, it was not cool. Anything to make Brock Lesnar look good is kind of annoying sometimes. Oh, yeah, especially at that point. I mean, good thing he's not going to be around this time, and we don't have to worry about that, but I understand they do do that. I mean, they had runs back in the day with Kevin Nash as Diesel or Kane, mm-hmm. where they would feed guys just to make them look like monster superstars. But I didn't understand why they were doing it to Brock last year when he already was known as a monster superstar 12 years ago. Why are we doing this now? Right, like, and, and there's certain times where it works. Like if, like you said, like Kane, when he was, you know, at the peak of his, at the peak of his powers, like when he was a big, you know, a big, big superstar and at the top of the card, like I get it. But then, you know, don't bring, you know, a, a Brock Lesnar back, for example, to make him, you know, let him go for a year. And like everybody knows his contract's up and he's not going to do X, Y, and Z come the future. So like don't build him up when he's going to be gone in a week, you know, build somebody else up. Yeah, I totally agree about this. How much wrestling do you watch these days? Me, not so much. I have probably, after that Royal Rumble, I've seen WrestleMania, I've seen Survivor Series, and that's it. I have not watched a Raw or a SmackDown. How much have you been watching? Kind of the same as you. Like, uh, I watched the big, you know, and the crowdless events were kind of tough. Like, but I watched the, the WrestleMania this year with no crowd. It was very different. But then, I, you know, then I watched the Survivor Series. And then, you know, with, with football being back on and the sports being back on, I, you know, kind of shifted my attention to that for a while. But I, I'll follow it, like, on, on Twitter. And I listen to some other podcasts and stuff about wrestling just to kind of keep myself in the loop. So when it comes time for the big shows, I kind of know, like, you know, what's going on and then kind of what to expect and what to follow. I was doing the same thing with podcasts. I would listen and, you know, try to envision that I'm watching it. At least I know storylines and stuff, but I haven't even done that in the last year or so. So maybe I need to get back on that. So I just follow just so I can just kind of keep up with what's going on, even though I'm not watching as much as I usually do. So it's just nice that you're still in the loop. So when you turn it on, you know, like, oh, okay, I know what the story is between, you know, wrestler A and wrestler B. Yeah, or when you're watching Survivor Series and you see – Seth Rollins be the messiah and he lays down and gives away his pin. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially those like little character changes um, that occur. It's, it's tough because like when you don't watch and you turn it on, like he's acting totally different than the last time you're watching. You're like, okay, what did I miss? I, I better go back and and check on this. I said it was Sunday, and this is a big Sunday. Big Sunday. I'm a Bears fan. You are a Vikings fan. Ugh, and they're playing against each other this week. This could be a hard game to watch. It just—I don't know. It's one of those where it's like you, both teams really need to win, but it's just—it's one of those where it's like, okay, if you win, like you're gonna finish eight and eight, or you're gonna make the playoffs and you just get pounded by the the two CD you draw. Like I don't know. It's it's hard. It's gonna be tough. It might be fun. I'm gonna be nervous, but it'll be interesting. Put it that way. Yeah, it's fun for us now because it's a Sunday and we love football, and it's gonna be a game against you know rivals. But you're right. You talk about playoffs and you're going to play who? The Packers? The Saints? Saints. The Rams? Bucks. And you're not going to defeat either one of those teams, the Vikings or the Bears. Get in. If you happen to get in, that's great. Makes the year you know, kind of worth it. But then, like I said, either the Vikings or the Bears, they're going to go on the road and, and beat the Rams. Like, 
I've seen it before. I mean, I know my Vikings have been the Saints kryptonite the last couple of years going on the road and beating them, but I mean, I it's, it's when you try out our Dan Bailey, our kicker, and he misses four field goals in a game. He's missed six kicks the last two weeks. Like, it's it's tough. It's tough. You get nervous every time he goes out to kick. It's tough. Yeah, and when I look for kickers at the last, last, last pick of my fantasy football draft, Dan Bailey is usually one of the guys like, hey, if he's still there, I'm going to scoop him up. I'm glad that was not the case this year. Yeah, oh, I had him. He was on my team last week, and uh, about uh, 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, he wasn't. Who'd you replace him with? Um, looking at, I'm actually looking at it right now. Oh, Mason Crosby. <laughs> That's not a bad a, replacement. He made a 50-yarder and three extra points last night, so they're going to be okay. I have him on two of my teams as well, but I'm already knocked out of the playoffs, so it really doesn't matter at this point. I'm still alive, but uh, it'll be tough this week, I think. i got some tough matchups, so we'll see. But uh, I hardly ever just... Pick one. I only ever pick a kicker in the draft. I just usually kind of let it play out, and then I can just kind of drop one of those last round guys to get a kicker week one, seeing after what the preseason does. Yeah, I usually save my last pick just for a kicker. For that or a defense, for sure. It depends. If I'm in the spot to get like a Bears defense or a Baltimore Ravens or a top one, then I'll grab them. Because like one league, I got Baltimore in like the eighth round. I'm like, that's a good value pick. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Like, there's like, there's that handful where you want to use an earlier pick, for sure. And, like, the beginning of the season, they were averaging, like, 15 or 16 points each week, and I'm like, okay, good eighth-round pick, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, the steal of the, steal of the mid-rounds. We got the Bears, we got the Vikings. You're probably going to pick the Vikings to win. What do you think the score is going to be? Yeah, I have to. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm riding this uh, emotional roller coaster out for the last couple weeks here. Uh, I'm going to go... 27, 23 bikes. Okay, okay. Why I was asking you that, I was picking mine, and I went 30, 27 bears. I, I think it'll be, there'll be some points. There's Vikings defense isn't, you know, what people usually think of the last couple of years. So I think the Bears, plus the Bears offense has looked really good with Mitch coming back, and they're moving it well. So I think you're going to see some points uh, for sure. Kind of like you said, I think maybe the first team that gets to 24, 27 probably is going to win the game. My things, though, are... Dalvin Cook could expose the Chicago Bears defense like it has by a few players. He's that guy that can do that. And is the Vikings defense really as bad as the Houston Texans? It's not as bad as Houston's, but it's they can be really exposed in the passing game to their corners and their DBs. They had to replace three of them starting the year. So um, at the beginning of the year, it was, it was really bad because they were learning the new system under Zimmer. But they've improved, but again, they're still not world beaters back there. So I think, you know, if, if Michigan get the ball on the field and get some good matchups with, you know, tight ends against our linebackers, I think that they can be exposed as well. I hear you. I just worry about the top running backs in the game going against the Chicago Bears defense. Yes, I would love to say that the Bears have the best defense in the league, but for some odd reason, if you have a super stud wide receiver or running back, we can't stop you. We got a couple studs, but, you know, also got a uh, – an extreme wild card under center by the name of Kirk Cousins. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. I had to pick him up on one of my teams because Dak Prescott got hurt. Joe Burrow got hurt. And oh, man. Wentz is the worst quarterback in the NFL. So I dropped them. I tried David Carr for a second. I had him on one of his bizarre weeks where he's also good or bad, and he was bad. So I dropped him, pick up Kirk Cousins, <laughs> and I've been doing this like carousel of quarterbacks, and he's been all right. So I think he's going to stay in the you know consolation bracket for me as my starting quarterback. Yeah, he's 
he, he's all right. He'll get the job done for you. He's a he, he's what do you call a professional quarterback? Put it that way. Yes, he is a. Would you call him a game manager? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, he's not going to be like um, like a Rodgers or like a Russell Wilson and can be like a game breaker. You know, but he's a see. You know, he, he's a good situational spots most party. You know, he's a, he's a good uh, like he's a game manager, professional quarterback. Kind of thinking like Alex Smith. You know, professional quarterback knows what to do, limits mistakes. Go from there. A Vinny Testaverde. There you go. <laughs> All right, P. Goy, every show we have a guest that joins us on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Play a game. Let's play Hot Potato Christmas Style. Are you ready for this? Fire away. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman in terms of the movies? Rudolph, because he became a leader. Everybody, everybody looks toward him. With his red nose. That's right. Home Alone or Christmas Vacation? Christmas Vacation. Every time that movie's on in the like in the Christmas season, I just I just leave it on. It's one of those where I can't turn it off. It's just so funny. Christmas Story or Santa Claus? Santa Claus. No Christmas Story? Yeah, I like them both. But if we're trying to rapid fire here, I'm gonna just first thing pop my head was Santa Claus. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cookies or fudge? Cookies. Sugar cookies. I could just house. Actually, my wife and my mother-in-law made a batch one yesterday, and it was uh, it was a good day for the, the sugar cookies in our house. Christmas tree. Traditional, you know, got all kinds of family ornaments, stuff like that. Or what I see a lot now is just you buy a package of ornaments that could be blue and silver or whatever, and that's how it is. Like white Christmas trees. So do you like the traditional or kind of like the modern? We're going to just jazz it up with whatever colors we like. Uh, traditional. I've always been the traditional. And ever since I was a little kid, we've always had family stuff that's got passed down and put on our tree. So that's what it'll be in our house for, for forever. So, yeah, traditional for me. Christmas cards or no Christmas cards? Christmas cards, for sure. Big gift or little gift? When somebody's handing something to you and you're trying to predict what they are, do you like the little packages or do you like the bigger packages? I think that if they're littler, it's easier to figure it out. So what I'll do sometimes is I'll wrap like uh, gift cards in a shoebox just to mess with people so they think, so I keep them on their toes. I do the same thing. I will wrap my nieces and nephews' gifts. I'll put them in a cereal box, duct tape it, and put a bow on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you always want to keep them guessing. You don't want to be the guy that's like the most predictable gift giver of all time. So you want to keep them guessing. Got to. Got to. Kind of talking about that traditional thing. Now we'll go to Christmas dinner. Turkey or ham? Ham. Christmas ham is is really hard to beat. It is the best. The Grinch or Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, The Grinch. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid, I remember. And that's the one I went to where if it's on, I kind of leave it on. Because it's, it's one where it's, you know, I've, I've seen it over and over again since I was really little. So that's one of my favorites. Hallmark Christmas movies or Disney Christmas movies? Disney. Again, going back to the little kid thing. Watched the Disney Channel since I was a little kid, so I know all those, all those little Disney movies. So those are, uh, those are up there too. And last but not least, we gotta go some music here. Mariah Carey's Christmas song, or we'll go Willie Nelson. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. <laughs> you know what it is, man. It's the Mariah Carey one. Probably the one of the most catchy songs that you hear. Like, and especially if you're walking around like stores and stuff, it seems to be always on. And then you leave the store, and it's in your head all day. But it is a, that's a very catchy Christmas song for sure. So I'm taking Mariah Carey. 
Would Mariah Carey win over every other Christmas song? It'd uh, be hard to beat it, put it that way. And you're right. I was shopping yesterday. I heard it twice. And then on Friday while I was at work, I probably heard it three or four times during my work period. Yep. It's, it's always on. And it's always right. It's everywhere. Well, Patrick Goy, new head coach of LaSalle Peru girls golf team. Thank you for joining us. We talked a little bit about everything. I'm excited to do the Royal Rumble pool once again. Thank you for coming on, being a guest, and talking a little bit about everything with us. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I told you before the show, I'm a listener, too, so it's, uh, it's pretty cool to come on with you and talk uh, Yeah, talk just a little bit of everything. So it was a good time. Uh, keep it up, man. You do a great job, and I really appreciate you having me.